Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Go to creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter and subscribe so that you never miss an episode and are able to make consistent creative progress each and every week. Now, let's get into this episode. There's nothing better than getting better. Come on. Accomplishing growth is extraordinary. I don't know what that voice was. Come on, everybody. Accomplishing growth is, is, it is extremely satisfying. I'm a big growth junkie. And online classes with Skillshare make it possible. Learn about illustration, design, photography, productivity, marketing, storytelling, all kinds of stuff on Skillshare. They have short classes. You can move forward on your creative journey without putting your life on hold or, or, or going backwards in your life, like losing time, because you can do it while you're doing other stuff. Go check out this class I just saw, acrylic painting, playing with inspiration, color, and form from Amber Vittoria. Her stuff is so great. I'm a huge fan, and she is so good at playing and finding new ways to use paint and line and all kinds of stuff. Go check it out, Skillshare.com slash Creative Pep for two free weeks. You can go take the class right now for free, Skillshare.com slash Creative Pep. Shop, design, sell custom fabric, wallpaper, and home decor on Spoonflower. If DIYing, I'm getting borderline Christopher Walken right now. If DIYing is your jam, is that pretty good? Uh, he would use Spoonflower. Is the, if if you, dang it. If DIYing is your jam, Spoonflower's got you covered. Spoonflower's dope. Print on demand fabric, wallpaper, home decor products. Visit spoonflower.com and DIY all the live long day. That was bad. That was bad, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Can I take it one more time? DIY all the live long. <laughs> I'm working on it. Go to go to try.spoonflower.com slash creative dash pep dash talk for a one-time 20% promo code today. Thanks, Spoonflower. Hey, this episode is a mid-year tune-up. You can kind of use it whenever you feel like you're getting out of sync with your intentions and where you want to go. I kind of felt like pretty much always May, beginning of June, I can feel myself kind of getting off track, getting swept away in the busyness, losing intention, kind of losing sight of my goals. This episode is going to give you a bunch of resources, at least 23, probably more resources for you to get better at goals, um, achieve more with the rest of the year, uh, a bunch of stuff that has really truly changed my life and my ability to get stuff done and make stuff happen. But also we're going to talk about a process of goal setting that is really powerful um, with some tactics and strategies that are also fantastic. Let's do it. Okay, I want to talk about uh, an idea that changed my perspective on goal setting. Goals, yes, I'm saying the G word in the middle of the year when it often is a lot more painful to hear. 
than motivating because when I say goals, I don't know about you, but for me, when it's halfway through the year and I hear that, it just stings. I'm just like, don't bring up goals and and remind me how few that I have followed through with this year. But guess what? It's a great thing to bring up because we still have over a half of the year left to achieve them. And for me, as I get swept away in the busyness and in the chaos of the year and the goals that I made at the start become a distant memory, it's always important. And it's always powerful for me to recalibrate and and get back to what did I want this year to be about? What do I want to be focusing on? And and, and course correct the ways that I've kind of gotten off the path. And one of the ways, you know, <clears throat> there was a big shift in my perspective on goals that really changed the way I saw them because for a big portion of my life, I hated the idea of goals. And the reason is because, you know, if I wanted to do something and I made it a goal, it made it almost certain that I would perform worse than if I hadn't made it a goal, that there's some weird thing that would happen in me. There was some weird part of myself that whenever I identified a goal, that part of me would identify the opposite goal. It would make it a goal to derail and sabotage me. It would mean that if I was like, I need to run more this year, uh, and this is my goal, I want to run, you know, this many times, that there was some other part of me that then instantly said, we are going to run less this year than any other year in your life. You're going to spend more time on the couch than you've ever spent in your life because you made it a goal. I'm going to teach you a lesson about making goals. And the same goes for, you know, whether I was trying to grow my, uh, it wasn't Instagram, it was probably Tumblr or something back then. But I'd say, I want to get, you know, this many Tumblr followers by this amount of time. And I, and I'll post this many times in this year. And I would never post less. I would have this other part of me that made it their goal to make sure that I performed worse on Tumblr than I ever performed if I hadn't made it a goal. And it just meant that I just quit setting goals because I thought I never achieve my goals. But I want to ask a question. If this is you, if you relate to you know, goal setting being a painful process. I want to ask you, if you keep failing to meet your goals, I want to ask you, who's winning? If you're losing in that process, who's beating you? It's kind of like, you know, feeling like you're a terrible chess player because you've lost every single game that you've ever played. And you've only ever played against yourself. Because if that's true, yes, you are a total loser in one way, but if you flip the table, you can see that in another way, you are undefeated. 
What do I mean by that? I mean that who's the person that made sure that you lost every single time you tried to win in goal setting? It's you, baby. It's you. You've actually, you're, you have a part of you that have set goals and achieved it every single time. You know, I think that there's this, there's this idea that in you is this part of you that wants you to fail. But I don't actually think that that's true. What I think is going on is a misunderstanding that the whole you is actually made up of several different parts. There is a part, there's a part of you that is kind of your higher self, your human mind. That part of you has goals about thriving, about not just getting by, but reaching your potential. But there's another part of you that actually has this brute strength in power. That part of you, that brute strength, that is the animal you. You don't, that part of you doesn't stop you from running because it wants to uh, be lazy or it wants to have, uh, you know, health issues. That part of you doesn't understand the goal. That part of you has its own goal, which is, and it's worked for thousands and thousands of years. Its goal is to preserve calories because that part of you evolved in a time when calories were scarce and it, and that part of you helped you make it to this time and place. And when you realize that, you realize that you're not failing at these goals because you're weak. You're failing because part of you is too strong. And if you can figure out how to get that part of you to quit playing yourself and work together on the same team, you're going to be able to accomplish incredible things. But that actually requires a much more intensive goal setting process than listing three things you want to do this year. And I want to walk you through a process that will help unlock the strength of that deeper part of you. You know, when I was in fourth grade, I decided, even though I knew I sucked at basketball, I thought I'm going to just give it a shot. I joined the intramural basketball club uh, and I got on a team and for game after game after game, I was just hitting air balls. I mean, laughably terrible, throwing it into the air, humiliating shots. But the whole time I just thought, I want to, I just want to hit one basket. I just want to see if I have what it takes. And I, you know, I'm about to tell you a story that I'm pretty sure is true. I definitely played intramural basketball as a fourth grader. I definitely was terrible and missed tons of shots. But I think that this is this something that happened to me and not just something I internalized from a Disney Channel original movie. I think that one time this 
thing happened to me that I'm going to tell you. But first, I also have to say, like, why do I have to qualify that this is most likely true? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid that somehow my coach from intramural fourth grade basketball has actually committed every single play to memory and that he's listening to this podcast and he's actually, you know, he has tapes. He's been studying for years. He he transferred the tapes to DVD and then down to digital and he's been watching play by play, waiting for the perfect moment, tapping the players' phones and listening to their podcasts and watching their Instagrams and waiting for the perfect moment to say, you are a liar. That never happened. That was Airbud, you phony. So I, I don't know why I think that's going to happen, but uh, it, it's not going to happen. And this probably did happen to me or it definitely happened to uh, Airbud and, and Airbuddy's three. Um, but definitely this is a story. So one time, a few games in, I go to give it another shot. I release the ball. It has the sweetest arc and I can see it's going to go in the hoop. And as I prepare to celebrate, I turn to my teammates and they are horrified. They look shocked and disgusted. And right in that moment, I realize what I've done as the ball swishes through the net. And I don't even need to realize it because my teammates are screaming, that's the wrong goal, man. Andy, we're on the same team. I scored in the opponent's basket. And I was humiliated as a dog playing basketball. I mean, I wasn't a dog. It really happened to me. And I and I was just like, oh my gosh. I scored against myself. I will never accomplish my goal. I do the opposite. But clearly... There's another reading of that story. Clearly, if you just shift a little bit, you can see that I actually had accomplished my goal. That if I could go back in time, I would say, Andy, you didn't fail because you suck. (laughs) You didn't fail because you don't have what it takes. You failed because You didn't realize whose team you were on. And in this episode, I want to help you stop playing yourself and realize that there is a part of you that is incredibly strong, that's nearly undefeated every single time they went for a goal to stop you in your tracks, they succeeded. And ultimately, I want to help that deeply, infinitely capable, possibly, you know, a a conscious, a subconscious that goes on through infinity, that kind of power. I want to convince that part of you. This episode is me shouting, you're on the same team. And when you get your whole self, your high self, your animalistic self, all on the same page, Incredible things are 
possible. Let's go. Okay, so it's halfway in to the year, and if I bring up goals, part of you are going to be like, oh man, don't remind me of goals because I haven't even hit my goals that I set for this year, but you're in luck. We still have half a year left, and I love, it's been such a powerful process for me to have every year a mid-year tune-up. We've got a month before July First, when the second half of this year starts, and if we approach goals in a new way, in a different way, we can learn how to get the strongest parts of ourselves on our same team. Now, even if you listen, whatever time, the great thing about this is anytime you listen to this, it's not bound to the first of the year. It's, it's anytime you feel like you're off track, you've somewhere turned in the wrong direction and you need to recalibrate, you can use this process. Now, the process that I have found that has helped me get the strongest part of myself on my team, pushing for the same things instead of pushing against me, is just to make sure that I do a process that gets my whole self convinced my whole self, most of the time when I'm derailing myself, it's not because that part of me's evil or hates myself and wants to self-sabotage. Most of the time it's because I haven't made it super clear. What are we trying to achieve? What does it look like? How do we measure that we're doing the right things? Is this something that's even possible? Is this something that is relevant to my actual life? Something that if I achieve it, it will actually lead us to a place that I want to be. And when, when are we trying to achieve this? If you do not go through the full process of setting goals, the subconscious part of you, that incredibly deep, maybe even infinite consciousness that you possess will not be on your team. It will be the audience watching the movie of your life saying, this hero is an idiot and he's out there trying to do something that's not even good for him. And if you want the whole you rooting for you to succeed, helping you succeed, pointing out the bad guys over there, look out, you know, giving you the tips that only that deep part of you can see, you've got to go through a process to bring your whole self on board. And that takes a little bit more time than writing, you know, I'd like to work with Starbucks. I don't know who's writing that. <laughs> that was me in the early days, maybe, of my creative career. You know, I, I, I like Starbucks for in some ways. Um, <laughs> taking a hole. I'd... Okay, forget about Starbucks or I want to I want to sign this record deal or you know, I want to get a book deal or whatever it is. It's not that easy. It's not just write that down and then magically a year later you've done it. Most of the time, this actually can be counterproductive because there's another part of you that's saying you're an idiot thinking this is going to work. I'm not going to help you. You don't you haven't even made it clear why we're doing this. It's based in your ego. How do you bring your whole self forward? The best way I've learned how is what they call SMART goals. It's an acronym, S-M-A-R-T. That's how you spell SMART. And they break down to specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. 
And I'm going to go through each of those pieces. I'm going to explain how I think about it and how it helps me achieve goals and how to build smart goals that will actually help you achieve them. Plus, I'm going to give you resources, books, podcasts, what have you, videos that will help you uh, fine-tune and, 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 and calibrate Whichever area that you're struggling with most, if the S-M-A-R-T, whichever part of those you you know is a weak point is, is kind of the place where things go chaotic, I'm going to give you extra tools beyond this episode that you can go check out and you can dive deep and course correct that element of your deep, strong, infinite subconscious so that you can get at everything every part of you, the holistic part of you pointed in the same direction. Let's go. Okay. The first part of SMART goals, the S is specific. Now, OG pepperonis, creative pepperonis that are listening to this show, you're, depending on the type of person you are, you're either, uh, both of you know that I'm going to be talking about the tower story in this episode, but there's two possible responses. Either you're one of the uh, original pepperonis who's like, oh yeah, bring on that tower story. I love the tower story. And then there's a whole other group of people that are like, oh man, he's going to talk about the tower story again. I don't think I can sit through this again. I'm not going to tell the whole story. Okay. I'm not going to do this big giant storytelling thing, but I am going to mention, I can't not mention the tower story because it deeply informs the way that I approach goal setting and my creative practice. Long story short, uh, I'm a little bit of a runner. Uh, I run three miles every other day. Uh, but one day when I was running out in the hills of England, I saw a giant tower on the horizon and I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how far it was, ended up being 11 miles. But because it was the tallest freestanding structure in the UK, I slowly but surely was able to make it to that tower because it was so tall, so clear on the horizon that all I had to do was take the next right road that was pointing towards it. And if one of the roads started to go the wrong way, I would just take the next right road that was heading back towards the tower and I got there, okay? But the problem was that my house was not the tallest freestanding structure in the UK. It was completely not clear on the horizon. And even though I had been there before and actually knew where it was, I got super duper lost trying to retrace those 11 miles back to my house. And this is what happens when you have a very clearly defined goal on the horizon, that when you really truly know where you're trying to go, you can take the road that seems like it's going there. And when you get further down the road and realize like, oh, this isn't quite the right direction, you can pivot onto the next road that's heading that way. That's the power of reverse engineering. They talk a lot about it in businesses, businesses that win, reverse engineer where they want to go. They see it out in the future. That's where we want to go. And they work backwards towards where they're standing today. And they take the path that's headed that way. It, that's the power of goal setting. 
And that's the power of being. The more specific you can be, the clearer that goal is on the horizon. And sometimes the reason why part of you is pushing back is because it's saying, okay, you say you want a better creative career. I don't know what that means. And until you define it, I'm going to sabotage it because you're being confusing and it and there's no way for me to really tell if we're actually making progress or not. And so I refuse. So one of the ways to counteract that is specificity. So don't just say, I'd like to make progress in my creative career this year. The first thing I would do is actually let's separate those down into a few different buckets. Is it a money thing? Is it a career thing? Is it a creativity thing? Is it a creative goal? Are you trying to up your craft? Or is it maybe an audience goal? Like a credential that you need, uh, uh, an amount of followers, are you trying to are you trying to up your credentials? Which of these three things, if you accomplish it, will allow you to accomplish the others? There were times early in my career where I had to prioritize money making goals so that I had the time to work on my creativity. There were times where I had to focus on my platform so that I could get opportunities to make money doing things that gatekeepers wouldn't allow me to do without proving my creativity by showing that I already was able to gather an audience of people who liked what I did. So ask yourself, which of the categories is this in? Prioritize which of those. If, I want to give you a few resources to help you dig deeper if you need to get more specific. The other thing I want you to do uh, as you're getting this specificity, one of the things that's going to clearly paint this goal on the horizon better than anything is to immerse yourself in the worlds of people who have already been there. You will be blown away how much it's true that you are what you eat. I've heard Austin Kleon talk about this in uh, in the art world often of like, you are what you consume. You got to be aware of what kind of creative stuff are you con consuming. But the same is true for your creative career. You know, when I listen to too many marketing podcasts, I can get my brain into this like, okay, and then we can get more newsletter subscribers and, blah, blah, you know, just my whole brain gets taken up because I am what I eat. And so once you figure out whether it's a money goal, an audience goal, or a creative goal, you can dive into some of these resources and immerse yourself in that world. And through just sheer osmosis, you will start to fully and totally align your entire self as you're feeding your subconscious that level of clarity and specificity and painting a picture exactly where you want to go from the people that have already been there. So I'll give you a few different resources. Money goal. Okay, creative people, I know you guys love money and capitalism. Look, I, you know, cap, late stage capitalism, there's all kinds of beef. I get it. But that's the system we're currently in and I would like you to have money so that you have time to make your creative stuff until the circumstances change. There's three books um, or, or three resources that I'm going to mention here. Uh, and I, you know, as I'm, I'm going to give you a bunch of resources today. And I just want to say at the top, I don't agree with everything that each of these resources says or does or implies. 
I think that should go without saying, but we live in a world where, you know, one of the, there's going to be a chapter in one of these books and someone's going to like, Andy agrees with this? No, I don't. There's tons of stuff in this. You got to take the good and leave the bad. Take what works for you and leave the rest of it. But these, all of these resources in one way or another helped me in some way. So on the money goal, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. This is an old, it's like one of the first self-help books. And first of all, I recommend it because it's super bizarre. It's very cryptic and weird. Um, the whole way through, he's he switches into capital letters from time to time. It's like, the secret of this book I'll, will never be spelt out. You have to read it to understand it. It's very kind of weird. And even in that way, it's just a fun time reading it. Um, but it also... Uh, I think has some really good ideas. Napoleon Hill um, did exactly what we're talking about, where he immersed himself. He wanted to know how to make money. And so he immersed himself in the world of people. He went and interviewed tons of millionaires and figured out what are they doing? How are they doing it? How do they think? And that's how he created this book. Think and Grow Rich. It's a it's a popular book. It's super famous. It's definitely got some weird stuff going on in there. But if you have money goals, I think it's there's some good things to jump into. Second resource on that one, I'll say Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Uh, this is a weird book. This is a woo-woo. If the Napoleon Hill one is like gross because it's just too um, money focused in kind of the typical way, the, you know, capitalist way, if that's not your jam, maybe you'll dig Deepak Chopra. Um, the, the main thing is that you're just surrounding, you're just feeding yourself sub your subconscious things that will help align you towards where you want to put your focus. Seven spiritual laws of success. I remember loving that book, but it is very woo woo. Um, but it was a good time and, and it, it was helpful for when I read it. A podcast I'll tell you about is Entrepreneur on Fire podcast with John Lee Dumas. I'm going to just warn you, creative people, if you're like me, this podcast is going to be a bit much on the money-making front. But uh, if you can get past the kind of packaging that it has, um, I think that there's a lot of good stuff because this guy has interviewed tons and tons and tons of really successful entrepreneurs. And there's just so much stuff in there that you can pick up. And they're quick episodes with tons of stories, bunch of different perspectives. Or you can pick up his book, Common Path to Uncommon Success. I haven't read it, but I know it's about finance. And I know it comes from lessons from the podcast, which I um, used to listen to pretty frequently, especially when I was in the money goals um, time. So yeah. Audience goals, I'll give you two books. I've just about finished the book Superfans by Pat Flynn. If you're in the audience goal, uh, if that's where you're really needing to push in the next half a year, I would suggest this. It's really about how to build a uh, business through not thinking about getting new people all the time, but how to make them true fans. How do you take someone who just found out about you and bring them on a journey to being crazy about what you do. They are actually the mustard seed that grows into tons of people being crazy about what you do. And so how do you do that? This is the book for that. There's another book 
called Platform, which I've talked about on this show by Michael Hyatt, changed the word blog in that book to podcasts. And you have a completely uh, super relevant book. And it's all about how I can summarize the main point of the book is to say, if you want opportunities, if you want to have a book deal, just realize that 99% of publishers are not giving out book deals to people that don't have a platform, that people that haven't already proved that they know how to deliver value to an audience. And so it's just all about how do you develop a regular practice of showing up and delivering value to the people that you want to connect with and, and over time develop a relationship to a body of followers that proves that you've got the goods. That book changed my career. Creative goals. If you're in that world, uh, I'll give you a few different references. If you're in the music world, I highly recommend the podcast and the writer is. It's a podcast that dives into the craft of songwriting with incredible songwriters who either are, you know, uh, hit musicians themselves or write hits for other musicians. But either way, they get down and dirty on the craft of songwriting. If you are in needing creative goals, you need to improve that way, and you're uh, focused on the film industry and, and storytelling, go check out You Are a Storyteller, one of my favorite shows, also on my podcast network, um, You Are a Storyteller. If writing is where you're at, I suggest The Big Magic Podcast by Liz Gilbert or her book, Big Magic. It's kind of a woo-woo approach to creativity that I appreciate. But if that's not your jam, then I recommend The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. A little bit woo-woo, but there's a lot of just practical attitudes towards discipline and showing up and doing the work and how to outsmart that part of you that's trying to hold you back or defeat you. Um, so it's kind of adjacent to some of the stuff we're talking about. If performance, if you're a performer and you're having to push on some creative goals, I would go check out the book, The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. And if you are a visual artist, I highly recommend the book, The Shape of Design by Frank Camaro. It's not just about design. It changed the way I think about illustration and how to define what you're trying to achieve and, and make it a practice of doing that. This guy had one of the biggest impacts on my career of anyone. Um, highly recommend it. Okay, so the second part, the M, is for measurable, and this is about telling that subconscious part of you that is so strong how you're actually going to achieve this. Like, what are the actions that you're going to take that you know move the needle, that you know change things, that you know will bring about the progress that you're looking for? If you don't give this part of you this information, then they're going to be ambivalent and they're going to be apathetic and they're going to think, I don't even know if you have the tools to achieve this, so I am not going to assist you in your cause. And so what you need to do is you need to uh, you need to dive into the analytics, you need to dive into surveys, you need to go look back through your past and determine what are the actions that you have taken that have actually made a difference and put all of your eggs in that basket for a season. So what it might look like 
If it's an audience goal, you might go back through Instagram and see which of my posts actually moved the needle on uh, reach. What are the posts that got out there the most? What And what did I do in that post that was so effective? And how can I make a plan to show up in that way systematically on a disciplined regular basis over the next uh, you know, three to six months. It also might look like one of the things we did recently, we put out a survey that said, how did you discover the podcast? Because we're looking at podcasting goals. And I, and I was actually surprised by the answers that some of the things they said, some, some of the things that came up the most often of actually getting people to give this podcast a chance were things that I hadn't even had on my radar. And that this influenced the measurable actions that I'm going to take for the rest of this year. So there's two, uh, I'll give you two resources if you need to figure out what actions you should be taking that you can actually measure, that you can actually, what we're thinking of with this is you say, okay, every month I'm going to do this. And then you create a list of six, those six boxes. And they're things that you can check off. These measurable things aren't so much things that you're saying, oh, I'm going to have X amount of followers. These are things where you're saying, I'm going to do X amount of posts like this. And so they're things that you can measure. And so if you need help, if this is obscure to you and you're not quite getting it, you're not quite clear on what, how you can find the things that you can measure, there's two books. One we've talked about a million times called The One Thing by Jay Papasan and uh, Gary Keller. Huge, huge fan of this book. It's all about the domino idea. It's saying, what one thing could I do that would make everything else I want to accomplish either accomplished uh, by you know, by default or easier to accomplish. And there's all these tools in this book to help you determine what action you need to be focused on. Uh, another book that we haven't really talked much about on this show is The 80-20 Rule by Richard Koch. Um, that book is all about the Pareto's Law, which just says that 80% of your results are often due to only 20% of your efforts. And instead of continuing on with 80% of your efforts resulting in 20% of your results, how can you figure out what the 20% is that gives you 80% of the results and double down on those efforts and forget about the rest? And in this book, it explains how to identify some of those things. I have a, uh, a different version of this book that's actually a bunch of other stuff, but that's not important. Go find that book if you need to figure out what action can I take that's actually measurable. Quick shout out to the old sponsors. Uh, there's a class on Skillshare right now. I mentioned it at the top of the show. It's Acrylic Painting, Playing with Inspiration, Color, and Form by Amber Vittoria. And I don't know if you've seen Amber's work, but you should go check her stuff out on Instagram. It's gorgeous, but it's also, I'm always jealous of her ability to play and just to find fresh stuff with old materials, you know, things that have been used forever. Um, and, and just like playing with form and color and, and seeing all these different weird things that can happen. Um, she creates characters out of all kinds of uh, surprising shapes. And I love it. And I think if you need to 
break out of the mundane and this doing the same thing over and over, this class looks like it's just a ton of fun to just get into that play zone, get into that flow state without pressure. Um, go check it out, skillshare.com slash creative pep. Two free weeks, you can take the class right now. Give yourself a minute uh, to unlock some of that uh, good creative juice. Go check it out, skillshare.com slash creative pep. I've found a business unicorn that loves artists and makers, power creative entrepreneurs, making customers happy and has a heart as big as the state of North Carolina. You know, that would make Petey Pablo happy. It's Spoonflower. And every time I learn some new cool thing about their fabric, wallpaper, home decor, digital marketplace, I got to tell you about it. Not only does Spoonflower deliver top quality custom design products, support creatives, and implement sustainable printing practices, that matters to me. But they also give back big time. Over the past year and a half, Spoonflower has been able to give back to 18 nonprofits, support 23 creative entrepreneurs as they grow their handmade businesses and inspire 30 students to pursue their passion for design. See, that's a unicorn. Look at that big, beautiful unicorn. It's like a husky unicorn. <laughs> I know that you want to learn more about Spoonflower. Go check out their business at try.spoonflower.com slash creative dash pep dash talk for a one-time 20% off promo code and dig around and see if you can spot husky unicorns. Spoonflower, they're huskier than any other unicorn that you've seen making fabric. Quick shout out to Modern Mentor, the Modern Mentor podcast. This podcast is really cool because it's they're short, mostly short episodes of just quick and dirty tips. That's who brings the podcast to you. Uh, you can check it out at quickanddirtytips.com or just search Modern Mentor wherever you get your podcast. I was listening to the episode, It's Time for a Spring Cleaning of your mind it goes very hand in hand with the kind of stuff we're talking about right now and you know i like some you know thought experiments um tons of tons of good stuff there if you're a creative pep talk fan i have a feeling you're gonna dig it modern mentor go check it out wherever you get your podcasts and that episode's a good place to start okay a a is attainable how can you convince that deeply strong part of yourself that keeps derailing you? How can you convince them that this time is going to be different? How do you get them to know that? How can you show them that this is going to be attainable? We actually can meet this goal this time. And I've deeply thought about it. I suggest we use the process that is laid out by Gretchen Rubin in her book, The Four Tendencies. And we figure out what is your tendency in motivation? What motivates you so that you can hijack it? Because guess what? Every single person is different. We all approach goals differently and different things work on us to get us to actually act and, and stay active and stay motivated. And so you can't just use the same tools that everybody else uses. So I'm just going to do a quick dive dive deep, a deep dive, a doof divvy. I'm going to div it. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick dive. 
into these four different buckets, and it'll help you identify how you need to approach this so that you can actually get yourself to follow through. If this is a massive issue for you, following through, you might want to go dive deeper into the divot of the four tendencies, the book. But we'll just do a quick overview. Um, I'm also going to put a link to a uh, article on Fast Company about this stuff um, so that you can get it there too. Okay, there's four. There's the obliger, the rebel, the upholder, and the questioner. Uh, the obliger. If you're an obliger, find someone with the same goal and schedule a monthly check-in. You're someone who meets outside pressure. You are motivated by somebody saying, hey, you need to go do this, or you saying, hey, I'm going to go do this, and then you don't want to let them down. If that sounds like you, find someone who's trying to grow their Instagram, trying to uh, start a podcast, trying to create an album, trying to stack up you know, an amount of songs. Find someone that's doing the same thing as you and connect with them and talk about, hey, do you want to be, you don't have to say accountability partner, okay? If you don't want to be a freak, you can call them and say, hey, I know we're both trying to work on new songs for our albums. Do you want to do like a monthly chat to just see how things are going? And then schedule a chat for every month until the end of the year. If you're an obliger, that will work like gangbusters, okay? If you're a rebel, you might want to – maybe this is my problem. Maybe this is why there's a part of me that just actively tries to derail my goals because there's just a part of me that doesn't want to be told what to do, man. Don't tell me what to do. Only I tell me what to do, and even then I don't listen. That's the rebel, okay? So what – they suggest the rebel doing is set the goal and then come up with a secret plan. Tell that, uh, say, hey, we're going to get, you know, this many listens on the podcast and then say, hey, secretly, we're going to try to do double that. And I've got another plan. I've got a secret plan that we're keeping from that first conscious part of ourselves and try to think about how could I blow that goal out of the water? and totally rebel against, <laughs> you know, making it something that's attainable. That's what the, re re the rebel, the rebel needs. Uh, the upholder, the upholder, actually, those people find it easy to achieve goals for the most part. But if you really want to get them cooking, give them more goals. You want to break it down into a weekly thing. Break it down Break your, you know, say, hey, this is my six-month goal. Break that in half. That's my three-month goal. And this is my, uh, you know, I can't do that math. But break it down. Reverse engineer that bad baby all the way back. Give yourself little weekly touch points. And you'll really, it'll work for you if you're the upholder. If you're the questioner, you need to do a deep dive into the divot of altruism. And the significance of what is this all about? Oh, you want me to do that? Why? Tell me what matters about this. And we're going to go more into this in number four when we get to the R uh, of relevant. But if you are the questioner, you need to spend extra time on number four. You need to feel it in your bones, in your heart, in your fingertips, in your tongue. You need to taste. How is this going to change things for the good? Why does it matter? Now, if you're like me, 
I don't, I have an idea of which one I fall into, but over time in my goals, it's actually helped me to show up in almost all four of these ways. And so that's how you can be extra on top of it. The resource for this one is, like I said, the book, The Four Tendencies. We also have a, the article um, about this in the show notes. Go check it out. Okay, number four, the R in SMART is relevant. And the idea here is if you don't feel it, you haven't done number four. If it doesn't, if you haven't felt why this would make a difference, why achieving this goal would change things, would be, would bring about good things in your practice. If you haven't gone through the process of figuring out how to feel today, a taste of what it would feel like tomorrow when you reach it, you haven't fully done the work. Now let's break this down into the the various categories, the creative goals. You know, for me, it's kind of like when I feel like, oh, I'd like to uh, lose a few pounds after, uh, you know, a heavy holiday season or something. One of the things that helps me is to think about my past self. It's to actually go find pictures of myself when I feel more comfortable and use that and revisit that and be like, remember that? Remember how that was better than eating another slice of pizza that day? Just do that. You know, put enough days together to feel like that again. Uh, for, For past you, in creative world, you know, if I'm going, uh, if one of my creative goals is to get a book deal in a different area than I've ever had a book deal, and it's this huge mountain, I try to think back to holding my first picture book, that feeling of it was so worth it. It was worth the work. It was worth learning. It was worth trying to get past the gatekeepers. It was worth the whole, you know, decade long journey to have this thing in my hands. And so use your past self for those creative goals. Think back to before you learned how to draw digitally or learned Ableton or, you know, whatever it is, before you learned that thing and you felt so overwhelming, remember what it felt like on the other side where you're like, man, I'm glad that I just did it and learned how to work in 3D or, you know, whatever it was. What are those things? What were those like? you know, bullets that you dodged where you're like, man, I almost didn't learn how to do that. I almost didn't put in the time to learn that song and learn that finger picking, uh, you know, whatever. Like, what are the things that you nearly almost didn't learn that ended up making such a big deal in your practice? Revisit those things and then ask yourself, what, what goal, what creative goal is going to make the world of difference Later, what are the things where I'm like, man, I nearly dodged the bullet of being apathetic, uh, or I nearly didn't dodge the bullet, is what I mean. So, use past you to get motivated for that creative goal. For the audience goal, for me, that's me putting myself in past me in other audiences. You know, when as an illustrator, 
I think about like, it's so easy to be like, what I do doesn't matter. Who cares? I draw pictures, whatever. But man, Andy, tell that to you on the train in 2007 or 2006 when you went down to London and you found this book by a guy named Mike Perry and it was all about hand lettering and it had kind of a raunchy name, which I won't say in case you listen to this with kids, but you can go figure it out, Mike Perry's hand lettering book his first book and I found that book at a bookshop in London and I I can't even explain it but I'm guessing you know what it what I mean by those things as an audience member that you find that just blow you away and make you feel glad that you're alive it makes me tear up thinking about past Andy on the train holding that book like I don't know what it is but this is it man these artists it was a anthology of hand lettering hand letterers it was kind of lo-fi which was my jam and I was like man I'm there's something I want to be a part of on this planet and it made an actual difference in my life and so if you're asking why is it relevant that I actually meet these audience goals, there is a person that if you don't is going to go home from London empty-handed. It makes a difference. It's just hard to get yourself in that headspace and that's what this practice is all about, feeling it. Same happened when I think about, we're try- look, some of my goals are on podcast audience. We're going to try to get to, uh, by the end of the year, 50,000 listens a week. And, you know, part of that, I'm telling you, because I need your help. If you're a super fan and you've got people in your life that are trying to build a creative practice and you know episodes that would make a difference, it would make a difference to our goals if you would go ahead and share those episodes. You know, doing extra work to find ones that are particularly relevant or particularly their taste, I think makes the world of difference. Okay, so we appreciate that. But why I bring it up is I think about the podcast that I found when I was in, uh, this was 20, I know the year is very important to you, but 10 years ago, something I'm driving to teach these classes. I was teaching design fundamentals at a uh, local tech school. And I had to drive 40 minutes to teach this class to four people. There were four people in this class and I was driving there and, and I, to try to pass the time on these drives that I was doing, you know, twice a week, I was looking for podcasts and I found a podcast that was about being an entrepreneur and it, it made me have hope. It's part of why I'm here doing this podcast right now. It's why I want there to be more people listening to this show because there's somebody driving to teach four people that needs to know that making goals can change things, man. And even now I'm feeling it. I'm doing the relevant part of this exercise right now because I am feeling why it matters. Or if it's a money goal, you know, compound that, like how much you want to make on X, Y, or Z and, and say, is it, you know, what if I made that much every month uh, until the new year? How much money would that be? What could I do with that money? What could I quit with that kind of time that that money could afford me? 
What could this mean, not just for me selfishly, but what could I do for my family? Maybe it's even some a gift that you could give them at Christmas time if you made that true. How can you make? Money is not a thing. It's a representation of value. You've got to, for if you're a creative, if you're like me, money doesn't mean a thing. But what it can do for my time, what I'm, my choices, my opportunities, what I can do for people in my life actually does really matter to me. So how can you connect it so that you can feel it? All right, a few resources on feeling the journey, feeling the path. I'm going to give you three resources. The first one is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Hey, again, this is in the woo-woo camp. If you're into the woo-woo and you haven't read The Alchemist, are you even woo-woo? Okay, it's a very hero's journey, par- parable-like story of someone like being called to adventure, and uh, it was a big deal to me. It really got me in my feels and got me motivated for a season of my life, and, and it was a. And not only that, I'm not going to give it away, but they talk about uh, the greatest lie ever, and uh, that point of the book is so essential and it pertains to your ability to make things happen. And it's such a good way to feel that for real. If you don't want to go woo-woo that direction, maybe you want to go woo-woo this direction. It's called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. Warning! This was written by someone who I think claims to be an evangelical Christian, but I will tell you that I do not think the ideas in this book are biblical. <laughs> and I think it's a great thing. Um, it's it's very woo-woo. It's very, you know, it's taking a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of authority and a lot of um, uh, liberties with these kind of ideas. But again, it's kind of like the hero's journey applied to your life. If you can, if you're down with um, the Christian stuff, then dive in. And if you're not, you can just leave those portions of it. I don't think it's a big part of the book, really. But I read that my. Uh, my dad gave it to me right out of college, and it helped me internalize the fixed mindset um, or, or internalize the growth mindset and break out of the fixed mindset. It helped me to realize that even if I couldn't change something overnight, it didn't mean that I wasn't making a difference now because you're, you know, a, a journey, a goal is a, is a path. It's a process, and you might just be in one particular portion of it, and if you can section those off, you can actually get into something that feels like progress, and the dream giver did that for me by giving the path different segments and figuring out where I was in that segment or in that journey. Um, Another one I will add is an episode of Deepak Chopra's Infinite Potential uh, with Dr. Gene Houston about make your own myth. This is about even more on the nose, making the hero's journey, uh, plotting that out to your life moments right now. And then I'll give you one more, and that is the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. If you're not woo-woo at all and you're all about facts, science, and that's the kind of thing that does it for you, makes you feel like you can do it, that these things are relevant, go Check out Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, figuring out, really understanding that success is about 
believing that you can do something, believing that you can change, that you can grow in intelligence, that you can grow in your abilities, that you have the ability to grow. That mindset is the determiner of success. That's what successful people have. What people that don't have uh, the ability to meet goals have is the fixed mindset. They don't actually believe that they can change anything about themselves. And there's science behind it. You'll find it in that book. That's one of the most essential things to put in your tool belt is the growth mindset. And if you need to get there through woo-woo like me, go for it. If you need to get there through science also like me, you know, just read both. All right, the last letter in SMART is T, and it stands for time-based, time-based goals, making sure you have clear deadlines. And the resource for this one is the 12-week year. What I want you to do, part of the, in the argument in this book is that, you know, year goals are just too massive for us to fit in our minds and plan for. That's just a too big of stretch of time. And you could accomplish your year-long goals in 12 weeks if you tried to. There's the idea of Parkinson's law that says that the task will take the time you allot it. And the 12-week year means just let's break that down into four chunks. And so what I'm going to actually encourage you to do is take the thing that you want to accomplish by 2022, let's cut it in half. That's by October 1st. If you're listening to this uh, before July, October 1st, that is where the half point between now and 2022 is. So cut it in half and say, okay, you want to get 10,000 followers by 2022? Well, you need 5,000 followers in the next 12 weeks. And we can cut that into three, divide that by three. So you have a monthly goal of 1,600 followers per month. If that's a creative goal, it might look a little bit different. It might be like, oh, I want a book deal by 2022. Okay, cut it in half. What do you need to be done? I love this cut it in half thing. It sounds like I'm on an infomercial of, uh, what, you want a book deal? Cut it in half. You want half a book deal now. What, you want a record deal? Cut it in half. Now you want half a record deal. Cut that record in half and try to play that on the record player. Um, (laughs) No, cut it in half. Say, okay, what do I need done by October 1st? I need to have sent the proposal out to publishers. Well, then what do I need by September 1st? I need the proposal finished. And what do I need by August 1st? I need a sample chapter and chapter summaries and work backwards. And so for time-based, the only thing I'm going to recommend here is that you don't make the deadline the end of the year because that is too much to hold in your head. Take whatever you want by next year, cut it in half, and then cut it in thirds and make those monthly things that you can check in on and maybe even set an alarm on your phone on the first of the month on August 1st, September 1st, October 1st, so that you can remember, so that you don't get swept up in the busyness like you did at the second half of this year. You know, one of the places I was introduced to SMART goals was a business leader named Michael Hyatt. 
and he actually does smarter goals. He adds an E and an R, and the E is, by the way, his earlier R is risky, and then his other later R is relevant, just because some of you guys are not going to be able to move past the fact that, what are those other letters? Um, I just don't know if we want to dive that deep. If you're if smart goals are new to you, let's stick with that. But I love the E, and I just want to add it here in the conclusion. The E is for exciting. If you're setting goals and they don't excite you, then you're not doing it right. If this whole process didn't overwhelmed you, then you're not you're not picking the right things. The whole idea of this is to imagine a future that you are desperate for, that you want to make a reality, that you feel the taste of what that could look like. And so you got to make sure that it's exciting. So if you if you're at this point and you're not excited yet, go back, start all over again and Make sure that you pick something that that makes you want to get out of bed a little bit earlier, that makes you want to uh, get, sit down at your table and create. And if it's not, then that's a bigger issue. You need to get back in touch with where am I going? What am I? Why am I doing this? Make sure that this process ultimately, if you forget everything else, make sure that you're tapping into getting excited to show up in a disciplined way. The whole reason I made this episode was because I realized that at some point in my creative path, I embraced the idea of discipline. And I in discipline, that word used to make me want to gag. It made me want to puke in my mouth because there's something about it. That and the and the part of me that hates that word or hated that word that was that brute force animalistic brain that was just said, I want to do what I want to do. There's something that shifted when I realized that I don't have to get A pluses. I just have to show up every time and get C pluses. If I stack enough of those, we'll get to interesting places. Discipline means I don't have to be perfect. Discipline means I don't have to be superhuman. Slow and steady wins the race. All you got to do is put one foot in front of the other. And how do you do that? You do it by staying excited day in, day out, making sure that the carrot on the end of that stick looks delicious. Who put a carrot on the end of the stick? What's that going to do? Put a cheeseburger there. Make sure it's something that gets you pumped. And let's just go a little summary over the SMART goals. Just let's wrap it up into a nice bow. Specific. Not just I want to grow my practice, but I want to grow my Instagram by 6,000 or I want to grow my Spotify listens and my top song by 100,000 or whatever it is. Make sure it's really specific. Then make sure you have the M, the measurable, that you have things that you can do that you know tend to move the needle. And if you haven't figured those things out, you got to get to the What are the things that I can do in my power that tend to make positive change that I can measure? That I can plot out and say, these are, I'm gonna post this many times, or I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. I'm gonna, you know, collaborate, whatever it is. The A in SMART is attainable. You know, attainable, one thing, maybe if you're trying to grow your Instagram, maybe look at how much does it grow without you doing anything? You wanna make, uh, you wanna grow by 6,000 by the end of the year? Well, look at the past month. It looks like if you didn't do anything, you'd grow by 3,000 by the end of the year. So it's more than attainable. You're going to put some 
effort, some force into it, and you know this is possible. If it's not, you need to change your specific goal to something that is. What would it look like uh, to, what could you accomplish by just coasting and then just bump the needle up an amount that you know you can achieve? You need to snowball those achievements. That's how you get into goal setting. Not by making them these crazy dreams that you'll never accomplish. It's got to be something attainable or that deeper part of you is not going to buy into it. R, relevant. It's got to be relevant. You know, go seek out. If it's, you know, what's the breaking point of when you can get a business account on Instagram? Is it 10,000? When is it that you're considered a micro-influencer if that's the kind of job you want? When do you get verified on Spotify with, you know, what are, make sure that you're connecting it to, when I get this, this is how things are going to change. When I accomplish this, it's not going to be for nothing doesn't even have to be anything as monumental as, oh, I got verified on Spotify or whatever. It can just be, what's the difference between where you are now and what, where people are where you want to go? What happens? What's different? How is that going to actually make your daily life different, even in small ways? If it's a real difference, it will be relevant to you. And then make it relevant to other people. Make sure to tap into how it affects others. How it Tap into that altruism. That's the deep, the deeper part of you is only going to get out of bed if you're serving others, because that part of you is developed in this evolutionary way where you are interconnected with your people and your actions have to measure up more than just some extra pleasure for you at the end of the day. Make sure it's relevant and make sure it's time-based. Make sure you add some deadlines, break those down into smaller deadlines and then break those down to even smaller deadlines. You want that thing? Cut it in half. That's, that's what I'm suggesting you do. Smart. That's it. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-based. Now, I told you in the headline that you'd get 23 resources for reaching your goals. Those 23 resources are scattered throughout this episode, and you can find them by going to creativepeptalk.com slash episodes slash 320, and they're all listed out there in the show notes, um, all a whole bunch of tools to help you become someone who is holistically attacking those goals and not just using uh, the higher self, but the stronger self in accomplishing those ends. Hey, did you know that Creative Pep Talk is actually part of the CoLoop Podcast Network? That's my podcast network. We got a bunch of cool creative podcasts that are designed to fuel your creativity. Make sure you never miss an episode of this show by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter. You'll receive an email each week with a new episode, uh, plus a welcome email that will give you exclusive access to episodes one through 199. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for our creative pep talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Pizza and Ryan Appleton for content assistance every week. Massive thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing this show so beautifully. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until we speak again, 
stay pepped up. <laughs>